This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. to connect with Community Waikato on Free FM 89.0. I'm Holly Snape from Community Waikato talking to you today about a piece of research that we have been involved with with various other participants that is around the banking research. And there have been a few occasions uh, we've talked about that. We've interviewed Roz Rice on this show before from Community Networks Aotearoa about it. We've talked to other groups about some of the difficulties they've had with banking. Uh, We've finally got to a point where the research that um, we've been involved with has finally been completed. So I'm going to talk to you a bit about uh, the finding of those and the launch that was held last week, launching the research. And I'll also talk to you a little bit about what's coming up in the community sector over the next little while. But first of all, um, yeah, better banking. So Community Networks Aotearoa is an umbrella organisation and some of you who listen to us regularly will know or remember Roz Rice who is the um, EO, Executive Officer of Community Networks Aotearoa. And they're a fantastic organisation. I mean, bias, I sit on the board as the chair, but but they are a brilliant organisation that provide umbrella support across the country to network organisations. And what I mean by network organisation is um, a community um, organisation that has networks that sit underneath them. So as Community Waikato, we organise various networks um, across the community um, not-for-profit sector. Um, There are others like um, Volunteering New Zealand, for example, you know, um, Neighbourhood Support New Zealand, and under them sit multiple networks. So that is who Community Networks Aotearoa connect with and provide support to. And the, the work that they do is then filters down through each of the networks as well to provide them with the capacity building support. So that is um, that is who CNAR, and we'll have Ros back here again at no, some point, absolutely no doubt. But I wanted to, um, yeah, talk to you a little bit about, I suppose, the history of how all this started. So going back over a year ago now, um, Community Waikato, we host um, a network gathering of others that are working in that capacity building space. And that is an opportunity to connect with other entities from around the country to talk a bit about what is on top for people. Um, We often connect with those from Waitakere, um, from uh, Bay of Plenty, Taupo, Wellington, you know, a a bit of a collective, come together and chat regularly. Well, one of these conversations, um, we raised the concerns that organisations were having around banking. And this is because of the AML, or anti-money laundering legislation, which has actually been in place for many, many years. But the way the legislation is often interpreted and then processes put in place um, for to safeguard the banks around um, AML means that um, organisations are being faced with more and more compliance issues. But it also um, leads to complications in that, um, and this is in the research found, um, many of the staff across the banks are not um, 
not trained well enough to understand the specific needs of the not-for-profit sector. So often we're given paperwork that isn't relevant. It's for a business, not for not-for-profit, and there are different types of, of paperwork that are required. Um, we're a trust, but we're not a personal trust. We tend to be charitable, you know, so that can lead to complications as well. And so, um, so we're finding that navigating simple banking systems becomes very, very complicated for non-profit organisations. And, um, you know, we were having organisations talking about spending um, literary hours and hours, like, when I say hours, I mean, like, it could take 40 hours, a week's worth of work, trying to um, change signatories or, you know, um, open a bank account or whatever it is that that organisation is trying to do. So really, really problematic. Um, So, you know, Roz from... Um, CNA said, well, look, you know, it's obviously an issue that's impacting people across the country. It wasn't just a Waikato experience. Everybody else reflected they were having um, or hearing similar experiences with each of their organisations. And um, Roz suggested that perhaps community networks Aotearoa um, provide the support to pull together some research um, and undertake um, a project in this space. So they have done that, and um, after about a year of of research, we were able to connect with an amazing researcher, Dr. Jane Horan. She's actually an economic anthropologist, which is very interesting. Um, So she was able to undertake the research she spoke to, well, first of all, surveyed the sector and got, you know, a lot of responses all sharing um, very similar experiences around difficulties navigating particular systems. Um, she then followed up with um, a number of those with some in-depth interviews to get more, um, I suppose, the, the depth of information about um, about those experiences and about what helped resolve them in the end and um, what were the major frustrations, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And what she's come out with or what they've um, developed is a very rich report um, that covers a huge range. So... It starts with um, a bit of a breakdown about what the not-for-profit sector is. And then it goes through, oh, obviously, the research structure and, and the methodology, which is pretty normal. But then it's got a great section on what we found. So the issues community and social service organisations are having when they access and use banking services. Then it's um, a section on what's actually causing those issues. And then a very specific section on the AML slash CFT, so anti-money laundering. Um, oh, this is the fraud. The other part's the fraud side. Um, those issues derive from that. And then customer service issues when organisations come um, to access and use banking services. Because as Jane was having conversations with people, it became clear that there were um, really two broader things happening. One of those things was that um, that the AML at CFT um, were creating problems. They were There were processes put in place to um, meet bank needs for those and that was causing issues for the sector. The other one was around how well staff um, were versed in working with not-for-profits, so that customer service level, and yeah, so so some really good stuff on that. And what's really great about this report is there's just a mountain of quotes, so you're actually hearing the experiences of organisations as they were trying to navigate these spaces. Some of the um, experiences, you know, are, are quite shocking. Um, one organisation was required to get... Um, 
basically they wanted to do a collaboration with multiple organisations, which is awesome, we're often asked to collaborate. Um, but to do that, the banks required that every single trustee of those organisations turn up in person um, to get signed up. And that turned out to be over 70 trustees. Because each organisation, you know, can have up to sort of 10 individuals sitting on the trust. So it took well over a year to get the 70 trustees signed up so that their bank account was operational, just so they could just so they could do some simple things for the community. So it just seems, you know, absolutely crazy sometimes. I liked this quote because I, I felt that this really reflected what we often hear in the sector. This person says, um, the irony is that the government is always telling us that there's too many charities. Well, this is why there are too many charities, because it's virtually impossible to do collective work without formalising and creating a charity. So you get charitable status and then you can get funding and therefore you need to get a bank account. So you, we needed to get a separate bank account, blah, blah, blah. blah. But, you know, the, the point is that, that we often end up having to become formal entities because of the systems we have in place. Funders often require, not all of them, but a, a large amount of our local funders require that organisations are legal entities before they will provide funding to, to them. Um, and that includes often government and local government as well. Um, you know, and, and, and that becomes really problematic. It's, it, you know, if you want to just, I don't know, do something simple like hold a soccer tournament once a year for your local kids or something like that, the fact that you need to be a legal entity just seems utterly ridiculous. But anyway, anyway, um, what we're going to do is take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to look a little bit at um, what was found and what the recommendations from this report are. So I'll be back with you very shortly. When I wake up, well, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man who wakes up next to you. When I go out, yeah, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man who goes along with you. If I get drunk, well, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man who gets drunk next to you. And if I haver, yeah, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man who's havering to you. But I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 500 more To be the man who walked a thousand miles to fall down at your door When I'm working, yes I know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the man who's working hard for you When the money comes in for the work I do I'll pass almost every penny on to you when I come home, 
I'm gonna be the man who's lonely when I'm too And when I'm dreaming, well I know I'm gonna dream I'm gonna dream about the time when I'm with you When I go out, when I go out well I know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you And when I come home, when I come home yes, I know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the man who comes back home with you Classic there, 500 miles um, by the Proclaimers. Uh, we're just having a bit of a chat today about the um, research that went out, or has just, just been compiled and completed, um, driven by community networks Aotearoa, um, around the challenges that the not-for-profit sector in particular face. We know it's not just the not-for-profit sector, by the way. Um, certainly when we have conversations with others from the corporate sector um, and individuals, absolutely they are similar experiences. Um, you know, the, the number of hours that banks are open, they've often reduced those hours and that's made it more challenging for some people. In particular, in, in, in really in rural communities, um, having less and less and sometimes no um, banks to actually do the banking face-to-face without having to travel um, some quite significant distances certainly has made things, um, you know, more difficult as well. So... So we undertook this research to really see if we could get to the core of what were some of the key problems and what could we possibly do um, about resolving them. And, you know, there are some um, some extremely frustrating examples where people are given the wrong paperwork over and over again. So um, if we just give you a sense of what some of those key issues were, changing signatories on accounts, um, big issue, especially for the main account and each of the accounts that the organisation has, as well as online banking. There was onboarding when new organisations go to the bank and try to open an account. That's often problematic. Um, opening new bank accounts under an already set up main account. number of people reiterated issues with that, including um, accounts with debit and FPOS cards attached, term deposits, all those sorts of things. Closing accounts, interestingly, also came up from a number of people who found that very, very hard. Um, using online banking with um, two-factor authentication, uh, and that's um, that's mandated by a lot of people's um, processes in their, um, according to their constitutions or um, you know government's documents. 
Um, so that that is that is a big issue. Um, issues with banking cash money, issues with drawing cash, um, issues with debit cards, particularly running petty cash, but finding debit um, or credit FPOTS card solutions really difficult. So you know those are the sorts of um, issues that we were hearing over and over again. But there was also issues around the provision of banking services and products. Um, banks being created. Um, great banks having created information as a vacuum so it's very difficult to get the right information um, being given the wrong forms multiple times no communication from banks finding um, correct wording for the minutes often um, individuals were told that in order to do something in particular um, change a signatory whatever that needed to be minuted and minuted in a very particular way so um, they were sent back because um, the way that the minutes were written wasn't quite up to standard. Um, again, it's, it seems to be quite a matter of, of luck, um, that, you know, who you get and what they will accept. Um, staff, bank staff not understanding the difference between account owner, signatory administrators, etc., because often in not-for-profits we actually keep these roles very, very separate for good reason. Um, you know, it actually reduces the risk of someone being able to do something untoward in an organisation if you separate the duties, so that is a very common practice. Um, there was also trustees and organisations, um, both paid and volunteer staff, having to go to banks to do ID um, process checks regularly. And that was um, time-consuming, difficult to, to organise, and particularly for rural communities. So lots of um, accessibility barriers, lots of issues with um, the AML, CFT, ID process, you know, um, really, really ongoing and, um, you know, the, the research was fascinating. It's fascinating hearing the stories, and I'm not going to go too much into detail in it or else we won't have a chance to talk about what's coming up at, in our community sector. But um, to let you know that, you know, there were some really simple, um, simple recommendations, I think, from the research that make a lot of sense to people. The, the first one is um, effective training of staff so that staff actually know what they're required to do um, for a not-for-profit organisation. So simple training, making sure they understand, or at least one person in, in that banking organisation um, has access to the information, perhaps a specialist, so that um, when you turn up, you perhaps speak to that individual who knows um, exactly what they're doing and what needs to happen, so you only see them once. That would be a massive relief. Um, there are some processes that we think could go online, um, perhaps with the support of a justice of the peace or something, but then um, be able to uh, change signatories or, or do processes you'd normally do face-to-face, -face, but be able to do it through video conferencing, we think would be um, helpful, and, and in particular for organisations not immediately in, um, you know, that, that perhaps are distanced from um, physical bank premises. Um, you know, so really simple kind of stuff. There was streamlining of the um, processes that banks could do that would still meet um, the AML legislation as well. So our next steps really are about how we advocate for the sector to get some movement on this. And one thing we'd really like to see are the banks actually having a conversation with each other to get some consistency about what is required for these processes. Because each bank has a very, very different sort of set of processes to meet the same AML regulation. Um, banks aren't allowed to just get together and talk. It is seen as potentially anti-competitive, um, but they're able to um, 
to get dispensation from the Commerce Commission to be able to engage in a conversation like that. And we certainly think that that could be uh, an extremely helpful process. So we're going to be absolutely um, advocating that that happens. And we'll be advocating around um, staff training also. Uh, In the sector, of course, um, there are many of us who would very happily um, support the banks to to grow their knowledge and their um, expertise in that space so that they are able to provide a better service. So I think, you know, lots of options, um, lots of banks could do. I have to say, you know, it probably sounds quite anti-banks. It really isn't. Um, you know, there are some stories in here too of when people find someone who knows exactly what they're doing and how amazing it made that process. But we also found in talking to the banks, they recognised that there are problems and difficulties here too, and they were very, very open to conversations about how to go about resolving those or improving processes um, and customer service. So, you know, the banks have been extremely open-minded. They have been engaged with this process. And our hope is that they'll be really willing um, in this next stage to see what we could implement to make things um, better for everybody who uses banking services, but certainly um, for the not-for-profit sector. So, um, yeah, I think that was that was what I really wanted to share with regard to the... Um, to the Better Banking. It is online now as well. If you jump on um, Community Networks Aotearoa, you jump on their website, you will be able to find that and there will be digital copies available and you'll probably be able to order a hard copy too if you're interested in reading it. And I would encourage you to. There's some really interesting stories in there. But turning now to what is happening in the Waikato. So um, we've got a few training opportunities coming up. Um, One that I'm really looking forward to and I'm hoping I'll be able to get to myself is the DISC Communication Workshop. This is on the 26th of July. It's at 9.30am. It goes all the way through till 12. It's um, pretty affordable if you're a non-profit organisation, only $75 per person. So um, this is about the DISC model style of communication. When I say DISC, I mean D-I-S-C. Um, it's about understanding the four different styles of communication and it talks to you about how you identify those communication styles in other people. And when you can do that, it helps you to adapt your own communication and your own behaviour then to work more effectively with people who are coming from different styles. So um, DISC is perfect for anyone who wants to improve their communication skills, understand and manage workplace dynamics and gain insights and gain tools that lead to, you know, that better understanding of both yourself but also others. I think it's quite fundamental as managers to have good insight into how our different ways of being impact um, our staff at work. Um, the way our staff communicate will rub some up the wrong way and or enable others to, to really thrive together in an environment. Um, as managers, if we get this right, we can actually create much um, greater pathways and strengthen relationships across our team. The reality is we actually want people to come from really different positions. We want people um, to have different ways of seeing the world and different ways of being because you bring that diversity into your team. You have greater diversity of thought. You can be more innovative, you know, lots of wins from it. But the challenges are that sometimes when you've got people who are really different from each other, 
um, we can communicate across purposes. So this is a fantastic course. It's really entry level, but it will give you a lot of insight into understanding um, the yeah just the different ways of being in the room through that four different disc styles. So if you're interested in that, 26th of July, 9.30 to um, 12 o'clock, come on down to Community Waikato. You will need to um, register in advance, but you can do that on our website. The other one coming up very soon that is always very popular is the reading financial statements. So this is well worth attending if you are sitting on any kind of board or perhaps you're thinking about it or if you are a manager of an organisation. So um, in our governance talk we did a a few weeks ago with um, Roseanne, she made it very clear that everybody that sits on a board has the same liability and responsibility. So whether or not you've got treasurer attached to your role, you're still required to be able to um, to provide that security and safety around um, the financial position of the organisation. So how to read financial statements? It's, um, it's, it's run by Anne from Community Waikato. The beauty about this is that Anne is not an accountant, so she can talk to you um, with just normal person speak rather than accounting speak. And I think that's really quite important if you want to truly understand what's in front of you and you don't come from an accounting background. So 23rd of August, it's at 9.30 to 11.30 at Community Waikato, um, understanding basic finances and your financial documents. So, um, yeah, well worth registering for that. And you will need to because, like I say, it's really popular um, and it fills up really, really fast. I've got a little more time, so I'm going to tell you about two more. Um, we've got the Leadership and Practice Masterclass. So this is for people who have done the Leadership and Practice, the first course. Well worth um, doing, doing these programs. Uh, they are insightful. They really help build confidence and competence in that leadership space. 28th to the 30th of August. Um, this is about becoming an effective leader in today's world. It's a three-day masterclass. It offers practical approaches. It's um, around growing organisational leadership and enhancing um, organisational effectiveness. So that's worth going to. But the other one, which I, this one here is very cool, is the art of giving feedback. And my goodness, um, that can be challenging sometimes, and especially when the message is hard. So um, on the 13th of September at 9.30 to 11.30, um, yeah, the art of, of giving feedback. This is a foundation workshop, so good place to start. You know, some people love it, some people hate it, and everybody needs the feedback. Um, and giving feedback can be as hard, it can be as hard to give as it can be to hear. So learning to do it well and especially if you're in a leadership role, really, really worth doing. So um, I'd encourage you to look into that program, 13th of September. That is the um, at 9.30 a.m. It's, again, $75 for that course. Um, just to finally let you know, in the last minute we've got left, uh, the Community Waikato AGM coming up on the 18th of September at 4 p.m. Um, it is an open invitation. We love to have people come along. Um, there will be a place to RSVP. You can just get in touch with Jason on our front desk and RSVP to him. Um, we would, yeah, we love to have people come along to that. There's always a bit of kai. We keep the, the speeches pretty short. It's really just about networking and being together. So um, that will come around pretty fast, I'm sure, but um, at no cost to that. Uh, Community Waikato AGM. 
Monday the 18th of September at 4pm. And of course, if you want to know about any of our other courses and programs and activities coming up, do jump on our website, www.communitywaikato.org.nz. And I think that is us for another week. I feel I'm nearly out of breath, but you have been listening to Connect with Community Waikato on Free FM 89.0. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.